Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an August 15th Tuesday night edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson writer at many places these days but today i am joined by a man who is very good at talking very good on twitter as well friend of the show brandon sprague from 1080 the fan host of dirt and sprague 12 to 3 on 1080 the fan espn radio in portland what up brandon hey man thanks for having me on i'm a uh, i'm a long time listener as they like to say in radio so uh, i'm happy you invited me and uh, we can talk some portland trailblazers man Dude, absolutely, and I'm I'm glad that I've been on your show before, which is is my noon show of choice uh, in the Portland area and in general. Uh, yeah, Dirt and Sprague, uh, and I was I was on that a couple of months ago. But when I was on there, we was like pre-draft. So just for those of you that maybe didn't catch it, uh, it was pre-draft. We didn't know exactly what the Blazers were going to do, who they were going to draft. And it was before all the Carmelo Anthony stuff. And also we have the schedule to talk about today. But uh, before we get to the schedule, which is like, you know, it's going to be there. It's not changing. I'm sure people have seen it if they're listening. Um, The Carmelo stuff. uh, What do you think about that? Do you want him? Are you interested? How do you think there's a chance? Do you think there's any way that they can convince him to the, the, the Blazers can convince him to waive that no trade clause? Well, I, I think you're right. Like the last time we talked, they hadn't drafted their 15-year franchise building block player in Zach Collins yet. So a lot of <laughs> <players>. <laughs> uh, But no, man, like it's been so crazy with the Blazers. Like normally, you know, you expect a little drama. Just, I, I don't know. I think we can, we can relate. And also we have it different in terms of where we're at media-wise of, you know, your blazer exclusive and heavy. And for me, I'm in really the football industry, like where football is king. And so if we get blazers past the season, that's just gold for us. And it has been more than gold. It's, it's been platinum. Um, so to get all the drama, the draft picks, the question marks, the quotes, um, it's been a lot of fun. As for the mellow stuff, you know, Eric, the funny thing about the mellow stuff is like when it first came out, the Portland and the Dame and the CJ, you know, we're convincing him, I'm catching him. They were very vague with that. I don't know how many people notice. Like, if you look at the comments, like, Dame doesn't really sound like somebody that actually talks. It'd be no different than me shooting a text message to Damian Lillard. Hey, Dame, love covering you as a media member. Hope we can talk sometime. And maybe he responds, oh, no doubt, or thanks, man, or he doesn't respond at all. To me, it was basically the same equivalent with them and Melo. But now more time has evolved. And the more we find out that Neil Olshay, in fact, is trying to listen to his two franchise guys and get them help, uh, the more I feel like this is picking up a little steam. Not much, but a little. I mean, when Woj puts Portland in it, you have to absolutely buy in because where is he getting that information from? Neil Olshay talks to like three people in this league, and Adrian Wojnarowski is one of them. So uh, I don't really, I don't think it's realistic. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna veer too way, uh, too away from what I said on my show of. It's not a 0% chance. Anybody saying 0%, they don't watch or pay attention to the NBA. There, there's nothing this league hasn't done um, to surprise people. And so to say 0%, I think that's too far-fetched. But I, I wouldn't go much higher than like a 20% chance of them getting mellow. Uh, but I love that Dame and CJ, you know, both being active in free agency and trades. If you want to win in this league, your two best players or your best player or whatever the case may be, they have to be that way. And so for them to be so vocal with Paul George, make jokes about Chris Stapps Porzingis, and now Carmelo, 
Uh, I love it. I love watching the video with CJ and Melo in New York working out. I got to say, does it, doesn't CJ seem to have a, a – CJ seems to be, uh, you know, like the welcome committee, if you will. Like, like I know Dame is into the recruiting now and he was tweeting at these guys, but I feel like CJ is like – today he tweeted at LeBron. Like he's like, yo, uh, if you're ever – when you're ever – when you're in Cali, like let me know when you're running. Like he just – he's shaking yeah. hands, you know. You know, he, he's just getting to know all these guys. And I think that that's that's big for the Blazers, because I, I, fe- I can't really remember a time when Portland had a player of that caliber that was also like extremely social with the biggest stars in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Well, no, dude, I, I think if you looked at their if you looked at those two players, I think it's very interesting. I think there's a whole other conversation, which, you know, I don't want to get into it because we have what we want to talk about today. But like the whole, can you win with those two type thing? I think that's a a dynamic in itself. But I think if you're looking from an organizational standpoint, you would look at them and say, both want to be franchise players. They want to be here. They like Portland. They love Portland. They have connections here. They've built a great rapport with fans, but they almost do it on an entirely two different ways. You know, like when you go to games and you see Dame, Dame shows up in a really expensive, nice t-shirt and really nice jeans and a chain versus CJ shows up in Armani suits almost every single game. So I think they're, uh, they're, they're a lot alike in some regard, but the way they go about their business on the court, their business off the court, it's different. Like Dame will tweet nonstop how he wants to be in Portland his whole career. How many times has he tweeted that? It's like too many to count at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you look at CJ, CJ's done it maybe once or twice that I can think of, but for the most part, CJ does what you're alluding to where Dame is vocal with some interviews about, you know, hey, I, I like that name or I'm interested, but he doesn't really take it to social media the way that CJ does. I, I think it's such an interesting dynamic that they have of they're for sure on the same page. You know, they're communicating probably almost daily and they understand like what they need as a team to, to be a contender because I've, I've never seen Damian Lillard looked as defeated as I did in game four when they lost the Warriors this year of just man, I can't keep getting my butt kicked like that. Like, for as many people that want to talk about game one of that series, they got destroyed. They flat out didn't show up for game four. And I think it's a realization for somebody like him and and even CJ of, dude, we are so far away, and if you really want to compete in this league for titles, you have to be this way. So they go about it the same, but then also so different to me. I think it's such an interesting dichotomy they have. It really is. Uh, that that's a great point. I think you know, in in a way, I, I I think that that balance is good because there's, they're like they're they're clearly. I mean, they say that they're you know each other's best friend on the team, that they're brothers, and they, you know, are really close and they get each other. But like you said, they're so different, and I think that really helps too when you're talking about maybe trying to recruit guys to the Blazers, whether it's mellow or someone else down the line, because. We know, I think, uh, the point that you made about the, the point that you make there about Dame is I think deep down Dame knows and CJ knows that they need more talent. And mm-hmm. the only way to do that is to be good, one, but also it's the social relationships. And I think CJ has actually done a really amazing job, at least from like you see the videos, you see what he's doing, you see where he's at, of just connecting with all these guys. And that matters yeah. because that, like, I mean, how did Golden State get Draymond or get Kevin Durant? Dray, the story they is him after Game Seven. Yeah, that is that's exactly what it is. Draymond texts him immediately. Like that's how things work, and that's how in the NBA things work. Like, it, 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 and and it's no different. And so CJ doing that is, is something that's big for me because I, I, like Dame, obviously knows a lot of guys and was on the Team USA, but he's just. He has his people and I feel like he just takes care of them. And like, yeah. and, and whereas I think CJ is more outgoing and just is like, you know, looking for, you know, to all, looking for these next opportunities and he's always doing, you know, the next thing. And it's, and it's great. And I think that that really helps advance Portland's, uh, you know, chances to get free agents because being good helps, but you got to also have, you know, the other side of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you could almost put them together and, and make maybe the perfect GM, right? Like the way they go about their business and the way that they 
try to work a room and build relationships up. But, you know, I think the biggest outlier, Eric, is for them, and, and this is going to have to play out through the season, the biggest outlier is going to be Yusuf Nurkic. Like, if, if Yusuf Nurkic plays to the level that he did in, what was that, 21 games before he broke his leg, if that's Yusuf Nurkic that they're getting, chip on the shoulder, pissed off Eastern European guy, then I think you look the F out. And I think that changes what they need. Because right now, you can say, well, Yusuf's getting in shape and Yusuf's healthy. It's still an improvement to me. I, I, can't, I can't, as a basketball fan for a long time, and somebody who's been around the Blazers for a few seasons now, I can't look at that and go, yeah, 20 games, the 21-game sample size, I know now what Yusuf Nurkic will be. Truth, truthfully, I don't. I don't even know if he'll stay healthy, but – he is their biggest outlier because if he plays well and stays healthy, you go from suddenly saying, you know, we need Paul George and Carmelo. Like you're always going to want talent like that. Right. But if, if this guy's going to play like a God, this is blasphemous, but like a young Sabonis who can pick and pop and he stretches his game a little bit and he's able to throw dimes the way they did last year. I think that almost changes what they're looking for. So I'm with you. Like I, I love the fact that, they're willing to address the elephant in the room because how many times do you get star athletes in this league or even in sports in general that basically call out their GM without saying the name or doing it in a disrespectful manner? Like if you, if you broke down their comments or their tweets or what have you, you would have no other conclusion than to walk away and say, they're basically telling and screaming to Neil O'Shea, you better do something because as loyal as, as they claim to be, and I think Dame is pretty freaking loyal and, you know, the same with CJ. We also see in this league, it's not a very patient league. If you go four years and they're getting near the end of their contracts and they're still first round and out, second round and out, and you're not a serious title contender, I'm sorry, at that point in Dame's life, he's now what? He's probably a 30-year-old player, and now everything shifts because point guards don't have the, the, the life of some of these other players. You know, they, they got short windows, which is why some people question Chris Paul and how much longer he's going to be prime Chris Paul. So I think everything changes in just a handful of years, and they understand that. It's about winning now, and the fact they're willing to, to do all that and hopefully you know, Nurkic can pan out, I, I love that part of it. Yeah, if, if Nurkic pans out, that, that's going to be big. Uh, you know, even if he's not even what he was, just you know, something close to it to what he yeah. was last year towards the end of the season. If he can be consistent because you know he had his ups and downs, he had bad games of course, but that's yeah. going to happen. That's going to happen, but you know he I think the point you're making about his condition is important and his injury history is also important because you know it's just he hasn't really had a good run of it. Apparently the Blazers according to Neil O'Shea have targeted some kind of imbalance in his uh you know in his structure, so to speak, that they're trying to correct, that they're trying to correct. There's some kind of muscle imbalance or something like that, where some muscles were doing more work than they needed to or something. I, you know, it was just some, uh, something that's being corrected apparently with drills or whatever. And so, um, that that's apparently happening. So, I mean, if they can figure that out, even just having him healthy, just being there, even on the games he doesn't show, like score a lot or whatever, like is so huge for them. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can't remember if you were at Game Three because you know they break us up when in the media areas to do. I, I was there for Game Three. Like, I was at Game Three. You know, I, I will never forget Game Three for that series of. Look, Golden State was going to win that series regardless, and I didn't expect Nurkic to be coming back and to be a serious contributor outside of that game, right? But even in that game, with what still looked like and was pretty evident to me, a guy that's not close to 100%, they were up like 16 points. Like you could see, you could see the impact that he makes and the way that he spaces them out and the way that he helps them defensively to the point where I think that's what leaves a lot of Blazer fans, and, and I'll, I'll put myself in that category, of optimism. Like it's hard right now to see a team that barely made the eighth seed and go, oh, yeah, I could see them making a jump in a year or two. Well, if you told me that, I, I could. I honestly could. It's all about Yusuf Nurkic and his health because having a big that has that kind of skill, it, it just it changes it so much. You know, you can sell a young Zach Collins kid out of Gonzaga and, and BS me all you want with the, well, 12-year franchise building block. Great. I don't have time to wait around for that. Call me in three years. Like, you have Yusuf Nurkic right now, which 
to me, that should just scream even more why you go after Carmelo Anthony. I, I, I got into it with listeners about this topic because Melo, I don't know when this stem, where the stems from or when it started, but like because the Knicks started going into the tank, now Melo suddenly he's a bad locker room guy. He's not a leader. He's a selfish player. I think there are some regards you could point to with what he's done in his past with contract negotiations and decisions that say maybe he cares about city and money a little more than winning. But overall, I can't fault the guy for wanting to take a max deal and play in the biggest city in the NBA. So where his wife wants to be as well. Well, yeah, exactly too. And that was, you know, that, that was when he and his family were doing really well. And it just, it frustrates me because is it not clear at this point that they're never getting a big name free agent? There's just, it's not happening. And so the only way you acquire that is, sucking through the regular season and getting a franchise guy at one, two, or three in the draft, and they don't plan on doing that, or you be aggressive on the trade market. If Melo ends up being a flameout, how much does that really set you back? He still has trade value next year, even with one year, because teams will think they can sign him long-term. I think it's always worth the risk in the NBA. That's just it's the way the league's built. you got to take gambles. Yeah, I, 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 I like it, but... Uh, before we continue, we're going to talk about the schedule. Uh, just wanted to, you don't have to gamble with this. You're going to get your product guaranteed with SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With their mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best prices at the Best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Super good. Do you use SeatGeek, Brandon? Oh, yeah. I use SeatGeek all the time. I love SeatGeek. They give you uh, pretty good deals on last-minute tickets. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And they do their deal score, which rates the deals from 1 to 100, and all the tickets are guaranteed, and that's all types of events, so sports, concerts, theater, comedy, whatever. Whatever you want, SeatGeek has it. Uh, but the best thing for all my listeners is that they get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. And to get that $20 off on your next on your first SeatGeek purchase, download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-N-B-A. That's promo code L-O-N-B-A for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-N-B-A today. Hey, so uh, we're back. Uh, it's It's... Schedule year, schedule time, excuse me, in the NBA just came out yesterday. I ranked my top 10 games. I'm going to talk through them with you, Brandon, and see what you think. And then if you have, and and if I forgot any, any ones that, you know, maybe you had in mind, let me know. Um, Yeah. But I ranked the top 10 games. My number one game of the regular season is, it's going to be a little while. Yusuf Nurkic returned to Denver on January 22nd is my number one yeah. game of the year. Uh, I mean, how excited I, I like, I wish I was going to be in Denver for that. That, that would be an incredible atmosphere. Well, you know, what's funny about the schedule release is like, I normally don't get too hyped, but then I end up going down the schedule and not only do I look at the good matchups for like a team like Portland, but then I, I play the homecoming games, right? Like Paul George going back to Indiana or Chris Paul going to Lakers. This is absolutely one I think you have to circle. I mean, what you, the last memory I have is Yusuf Nurkic playing against Denver, basically for the eighth seed, and him just dominating and telling them to have a good summer. Like, oh, it doesn't get any colder than that in the NBA than a post-game have a good summer because you know you knocked the team out and they didn't, they didn't basically give you a, a legit shot for whatever reason. So I'm with you, man. You have to circle that. Plus, Denver's going to be better with Millsap. Yeah, they're going to be strong. They're going to be good, uh, probably. I mean, a lot of people think they're going to be in the mix with Portland for all those lower seeds. So they're going to they're going to have a bunch of games that are going to be important against Denver. So you know, all those Denver games are actually really probably going to be big games this season. Um, my number two game right now uh, is Oklahoma City. It's kind of their first. I think it's like the first big team that they're going to get. I mean, Toronto comes in before that, but I, the Raptors are boring. I don't care uh, yeah. about, about watching Lowry and DeRozan anymore. Uh, Paul, don't jo- care about Santa. Come on. No, no, no. Yeah, sorry to all the Canadian listeners. If you know you're out, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but um, Oklahoma City, uh, November fifth. Paul George, his first trip to Portland. 
with the Thunder. He's had some big games in Portland, as has Westbrook. So that should be fun. I, I'm excited for that. And another a division game as well. All the division games are going to be insane this year. Yeah. Well, th- that's the thing about their division is how stacked it is for the season. And, you know, I'm glad you put Oklahoma City in there, um, not only for division purposes, but there's two things about Oklahoma City that stand out. The first is I, I will always tell people this. If they've never been to a Blazer game or they're curious about what other team to go watch because they, they've only been to like a couple or one, Russell Westbrook is easily top three most exciting NBA tickets and games to go watch in person. Even if he sucks and is like three for 17, it's the most exciting three for 17 game you'll ever watch as a basketball fan. And the second thing is Paul George in Oklahoma city. I don't know how that's going to play out. I know a lot of people are kind of just counting and assuming that's going to be a top three, maybe four team in the West, but I'm looking forward to it because I think it's a real opportunity. Not that, not that it was George's fault, but a real opportunity to show Paul George, like, what you potentially could be missing out on. Because if Yusuf Nurkic can start and get going back where he was right away and Damon C.J. are doing Damon C.J. things, he's going to have, he's gonna have no, no, no choice but to sit there for a second and look and go, oh, my gosh, I really would have panned out really well with these three guys. Like it, I think there's going to be a little bit of remorse, just a tad, from Paul George when he plays Portland. Just because if you look at the way they're structured – he fits perfectly with who they are. Yeah, Paul George would have been a pretty pretty perfect fit for the Blazers. I mean, he would have been their best defender, would have been yep. the guy locking everybody down. He's a great three-point shooter. Great spot-up shooter. Great spot-up shooter. Very good at creating for himself, yep. which has been a problem for Portland, especially in the playoffs when no one else is able to create. Uh, at least without Nurkic last year as well. That, that was making it even tougher. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited for that. It's a great, great, great call there on, on Paul George and the, the storyline that we had from this summer. Number three on my list, I got – I'm excited for Minnesota. I know this is the, the trap we fall into with the Wolves every year, but I feel like it's warranted this time. So number three at Minnesota on December 18th, that's the first matchup against the T-Wolves. Is there any, let me ask you this, since you're high on Minnesota, is there any part of you that is hesitant on Minnesota? Are you all in on the Wolves? I'm all in on them to make the playoffs. I am not quite, I mean, I think they're, they're, I think four and five right now for me are OKC and uh, Minnesota. And Uh and I just have, I, I think Minnesota with Jimmy Butler, I just, Jimmy Butler is so good. Like yeah. it's more of a Jimmy Butler thing than it is like a Wolves, you know, that the, the Wiggins is going to turn the corner or something like that. I'm not saying that. I mean, Towns had one of the best seasons, like historically, statistically last year that anybody's ever, that any big dudes ever had. I mean, he had crazy, yeah. crazy field goal percentage, crazy numbers. He can shoot the three. He's, a, uh, I think he was better defensively his rookie year, but uh, like uh, Jimmy Butler to me is so good that I just have immense respect for him. And I think that like that plus Tibbs, they got Taj Gibson. Yeah. I like where their team is. And I think towns is really like towns and Jimmy together is really good. And whatever you can get from Wiggins, I think would be big. And Jeff Teague is good too. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's interesting. You say that because I like the wolves, but I don't like them nearly as much as other people. And, And what I mean by that is, I think at best they're a six seed. And I think if they're fighting for seven, eight, that wouldn't shock me at all. And the reason I say that is, look, I, I know on paper that's a good four to have Towns, Wiggins, Butler, and, and Teague. And then you mix Tibbs in there. It's hard not to really like what potentially that could be. But my problem is I think it's a, it's a weird mix from the standpoint of, Towns has kind of established himself as a franchise. Is he just going to allow Butler to walk in there and do that? Um, Chicago was a very odd team last year. I know they dealt with injuries, but, like, Butler is a great, legit player. I just don't know what his leadership is going to mean to them, though, because, I, you know, Chicago was so up and down to me, and I know some people don't like their head coach either. Then you add Teague into the mix. He can't play a lick of defense. And Wiggins was, I think, statistically the – second worst defender in the league of 
players that played like 30 plus minutes per game. Yeah. I believe that's a stat. If I'm wrong, yeah, you know, no, no, he, 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 yeah, his his defensive plus minus, his defensive numbers all across the board are incredibly underwhelming for a dude as athletic as he is. And I think you know, you know what bug, what bugs me so much, Eric, is maybe it's first year woes, but like Tibbs is supposed to be a defensive guy, and he got worse as a defender. So I'm not saying that's Tibbs's fault necessarily. I just I don't know how it's all going to play out. And it's hard for me, instead of taking stats, because, you know, I read like Pelton did a piece on this. Instead of projecting out with stats, I'm just trying to think of what I think of all these players. And sometimes we think these mixes and these groups are going to really click, and they take a lot longer to do that. And by the time they do, they almost can't get any better than like a six seed, a seven seed, hell, even maybe an eight seed. And so I can see the Wolves. If the Wolves are great, then I have no problem being wrong on that. I just there's parts of them that I can't fully buy into, and I also think it's going to take like a month and a half for them to really figure some things out. And I just don't know how great they'll be defensively. You touched on a really good point before we get to the next game about Towns because yeah, um, uh, last year I think it was. I mean, there were two really great pieces: one from the Minnesota Post and another one from ESPN uh, from Kevin Arnovitz, and they were both about Towns. And one of the things that happened last year midseason was like Towns was kind of his quotes were all like he's blaming himself. But then all the quotes that were coming from his teammates were like, you know, we don't all need to do it on our own. No one has to be the hero, et cetera, et cetera. And it felt like in like not having KG there, I feel like maybe he just got too into like trying to be the guy all the time. Yeah. And and that's a really interesting dynamic that you bring up with Butler because Butler's going to come in there and be like, oh, yeah, I just hung out with D Wade all year last year. And like I'm on that level, you yeah. know. Like, like I wonder if that's yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely probably uh, could. Be, I mean, it, that could be an issue. That's that's not nothing. Um, number four, uh, I got Houston at uh, at home on December 9th, right before a big road trip. Uh, December basketball, I feel like, is when the NBA gets going, uh, like really gets going. Obviously, I I pay attention the whole time, but it's like a lot. Uh, it gets it gets yeah. it gets going big time, and I, I, I'm Houston. Their first trip to Portland with Chris Paul, and everyone hates Houston here. So that's you know, <laughs> yeah. The only thing that's missing from Houston is Ray Felton, and then they would be like the cream of the crop to hate in the league for Blazer fan. Would they not be? Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> they need to sign him as backup. Yeah, well, look, I, I'm looking forward to watching Houston play. Um, just as a basketball fan, you know, it, it just for the same reasons everybody's basically pointed out, you know, it's, I tweeted it. You, I'm sure maybe you tweeted it. I, it felt like every basketball fan tweeted the same thing when he basically told them he wanted to go to Houston. And it's just, well, how the hell is that going to work? Like who's going to hold the basketball? Cause you know, Chris Paul is a hold the ball for 20 seconds and then shoot or get a, you know, a clean assist. And James Harden basically played the exact same way last year. And he had, his best season ever. So I don't know how that plays out with them and the Mike D'Antoni and, you know, the lack of defense and success in, in the, in the postseason when maybe the teams are better than their opponent. I don't know how all that plays out, but I'll tell you right now, I don't know how Houston would not be in your top 10 list of scheduled games. And when they come visit the Moda center, because I know I'm going to be there and I cannot wait to see if one, they're already at a critical what should the Rockets do? There's no way they extend Chris Paul. James Harden's getting pissed behind the scenes. Or it works right away because both are so veteran and they understand it takes a much larger perspective to start winning in this league than to say, I want the ball for 17 seconds per possession. And they just start killing it and they're a top three seed in the West. I think that their whole nucleus is a fascinating one to me. Yeah. Very excited for Houston. I like them a lot. Uh, I, I just, as a team, as a, and I think that they're going to be, I mean, I think they don't, I don't think anybody has a chance to be Golden State, but I think they're just a great experiment uh, to see if it can were work. You, were you, were, were you pro Ryan Anderson when they were, the Blazers were supposedly involved in being the facilitator of the trade? I was for a minute. And then I was like, no, like if it's already this hard to trade Ryan Anderson's contract, like, yes, uh, I, I'd rather have, you know, I thought about it for a minute because he is talented, but uh-huh. it just doesn't really like 
there's no like ISO Ryan Anderson play where like Ryan, get the rock to Ryan Anderson. He'll go get you a bucket. Like that's not really like he has to run off screens and you have to do all kinds of stuff to like, it just, and he's, he's not, he's great at shooting, but he's just not good enough at all the other things on offense to be worth the money he gets paid. Well, he's making $20 million a year. And what cracks me up is because I went back and forth with some people on this, like, you want Ryan Anderson for $20 million a year, a dude who shot 28% from three in the postseason when it matters the most. That's the other thing, too. He's and, not very good in playoffs. And you, yeah, and you were, pat, you were pissed with Alan Crabb, who was, what, he's scheduled to make 18 or 19 this year. You're pissed with him giving you 10 points. Ryan Anderson was he was barely better than Alan Crabb. And I, I, think, I think Ryan Anderson's a serviceable player that, for the right price, works for the right team. But... $20 million. I'm out on that. Like you're, that's way too much for Ryan Anderson. Yeah, exactly. And I think the point you bring up with the crab comparison is spot on. I mean, it, it, crab, was he uh, amazing? No. And, and was he overpaid? Yes. But it, it's not like if you're working that hard to get rid of the Allen crab contract and you're afraid about the cap contracting, and then you have the Nurkic extension coming up, like you're not going to just add, Especially if, you know, right now with the thing, the questions we have about Nurkic, you know, they are going to be fighting to make the playoffs as it is. Like, because we don't know how long Nurkic is going to be healthy for. We don't know how good he's going to be. So, I mean, I'm very up on Nurkic. I think he was very good. But yeah, I think I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to watch. And I'm 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 glad that they are passing on Ryan Anderson. I think that's the smart move. Yeah, I agree, dude. Don't take on more salary to be a facilitator and help somebody else get better. What's the point of that? Yeah, and also, too, it's like, why help the Rockets get Carmelo Anthony and and why not try and get Carmelo Anthony if you're going to overpay anyway? Like, if you're going to be paying luxury exactly. tax, it's more worth it for Carmelo Anthony than it is Ryan Anderson 10 times out of 10. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, thank you. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, the next game, the home opener, October 24th, New Orleans, a team that I think is also extremely interesting. We get, now we're not going to have any excuses that it, they didn't have a training camp and the offense wasn't centered around them. DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, uh, come into Portland for the home opener. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one, man. I don't know how you feel about Boogie. I think Davis is an interesting question just because I, I don't know, as a guy who follows a lot of the national writers or listens to, to other things as well. Like it feels like Anthony Davis is almost going the other way a little bit. Maybe that's just me interpreting it the wrong way, but like this guy was the best thing to LeBron in the league in terms of prospects and potential. And, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy and his teams have basically underachieved every single year they've gotten hype. And now it kind of feels like, well, is Anthony Davis better than Carl Anthony Towns? Like people are asking questions like that now. And it's a little odd to me to see that, but with the injury stuff, it's hard not to kind of feel the same way. And then with Boogie, I, I was pro Boogie in Portland. Like again, I'm just a that's right. I'm a fan of yeah. Taking a you got to take a gamble to win in this league. And if the dude has a bad attitude, so be it. So does Draymond Green. With the right people, it can work. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's ever really a two man that can legitimately play in this league. Like Boogie and 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 AD. They might be friends off the court, but I don't know if that's a really good mix on the court. I, I just I'm not high on the Pelicans, which is another team that some people think is going to be better than the Blazers. Yeah, I I just I think I mean Drew Holiday's good, but it, they got Rondo like that was their big signing, and I just I yeah. don't I don't know how you can't as good as Cousins and yeah, and they traded Tim Frazier, which was like actually a loss for them. Like, yeah, it was a good backup. Yeah, and it's like it's like when that happens, it's like um, if Tim Frazier's a major loss, like you know, like I'm just not. Yeah, he was a solid backup, and then but they don't have any other guards. Like they, I mean, they have paid Etwan Moore a bunch of money or whatever. They have a bunch of really bad contracts on their team, and I just don't like as good as Boogie and ADR. Like I just I don't see them in the playoffs. I just their guards aren't good enough. To win in do they still have Omar Omar? Do they still have Omar Asik? Yes. Asik, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. They, I, I, they got, or, yeah. I guess. It, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you did a poll of like really good basketball fans, and I'll put myself in this category, 
honest to God, I don't know if I can name more than four players on that roster. I would have said Etwan Moore, uh, a seek, and then I would have said AD, okay, AD, uh, Boogie, and then and Drew. That like that, those are the only players. Like that, that roster is terrible. Yeah, shout out to Alexi Ajinsa uh and and other guys on the, <laughs> on, on on the pelicans um yeah i mean it's just a fact and 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 now rondo which is just you know rondo had a good playoff moment um that was fun against boston and stuff but you know he yeah. was not really he's not really on the he doesn't shoot threes like he i yeah i don't know um but he does i mean demarcus cousins does like rondo so that's that's something i suppose um yeah Number six, uh, February 14th, right before the All-Star break, Golden State at Portland, I think should be a fun one. Obviously, you know, when the big teams come to town, it's always a big deal. The defending champions, I think that's uh, their first visit to Portland. Yeah, and that that game is, um, it's an interesting one to me. And the reason I say that is just because, you know, Golden State going to be such, such a heavy favorite to, to repeat and get their third title in four seasons. But I, I think it's a, it's a good testing point. It's a good barometer. If you're a blazer, right? If you're, if you're Dame, they are, they are your, in your way. They're, they're the team stopping you from trying to reign supreme in the West because, you know, I know Houston got their team together and San Antonio with San Antonio and OKC maybe at Paul George for a year, but you still have that confidence if you're a guy like Dame that, hey, we're not too far away, we should make strides. When you play a team like uh, Golden State, I, I think it's such a good uh, litmus test to see how you stack up and how far away maybe you really are. Yeah, I think it would be a good good, good test, and it's, it's going to be uh, right before the All-Star break. So that, that'll be uh, really interesting to see, and obviously Portland usually gets up for those games against the Warriors. Uh, mm-hmm. April 9th. Uh, this is a game that's high on my list as well. It's the second to last game of the season at Denver once again. So it could be a reversal of the situation that we saw last year where Denver had to come to Portland. Uh, I mean, that could be seeding for the playoffs. You know, that could be playoff berth in general. I mean, there could be a lot of stuff on the line in that game, uh, April 9th at yeah. Denver. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good one that you point out because that, that was actually, if you didn't have that, that was going to be the game I'd point it out just for the all the points you just raised uh, about about what's going to potentially be on the line between those two teams. You know, the other thing with Denver, I don't know what to make of Denver. Like, I, I really like them, but I'm also not 100% sure they're going to be as good as people think. Like, I do like the, the Jokic and the, the Millsap combo. I think that's going to work because Millsap is so – you know, he's, you, can, you can put him in so many different positions. But I'm still not sure how I feel about all their young talent, nor do I know how I feel about their coaching situation. Like, I don't know. The Nuggets are a weird team to me. I like them, but for reasons I can't really put my finger on, nor do I really trust them either. Does that make sense? Yeah, because, I, I, I mean, let's be real. Last year they had uh, an amazing opportunity to get the, into the playoffs, and they choked. I mean, they, they 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 didn't win. They didn't do enough. And uh, they with with Jokic, they were the best offense and stuff like that. But they were a terrible defense. No one talks about that. Yep. I think I think mm-hmm. Mil, I think Millsap will help. But yeah, I mean, they were they were a worse defense than Portland by the end of the season. Like, and that's that's terrible. And, and yeah. Portland did better. Uh, towards the end of the season but again like I mean Denver was consistently worse than them all season long I think I think Mike Malone their coach I think he's like he said he had one like extremely hyperbolic statement about them being like the worst defensive team of all time or something and (laughs) and and, uh he's a great quote by the way that's that's the one thing I love about Mike Malone he's the best he might be the might be my favorite quote of coaches in the league um but yeah, no, Denver, uh, I think is a really interesting team. I think a team that's on the same level as Portland and, and you have good, you know, I, I, it's good to have questions about their, their young guys because, uh, you know, Moutier had kind of, has had an up and down career so far. It seems like they believe yeah. in Jamal Murray, but then at the same time, do I really trust what they believe? Because they didn't realize that Jokic was the guy 
for, you know, 20 something games. It seems like it took them a long time to figure out who was supposed to be the guy. And so, yeah, uh, um, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, then another Golden State game. We just talked about Golden State. Do we? Uh, the, I have Golden State December 11th, though, at Golden State, Dame in Oakland, always uh, one to watch. Yeah, dude. I mean, he loves he loves the homecoming game. He loves the opportunity to uh, to show out for the 15 to 20 people that may be in attendance. And hell, it's probably even more than that, considering he's from the Bay Area. Um, but, look, I, here's the thing with the Golden State games. Like, I just don't know. First of all, you don't know who's going to be playing because at that point in the season, I know it's only in December, but they could have such a substantial lead that, hey, oh, this is a sit-down game. KD, you sit down. Like, I, I, I don't know. They're such a weird team to read game in and game out, and game out in terms of what they're looking to accomplish that maybe you go down there, maybe you pull an upset, or maybe everybody plays and you get absolutely steamrolled. It's just – it's a tough one to uh, to tell, but I think for the sheer fact of Dame going back to Oakland, I think it has to make the list. This is the good thing about Golden State games, which you just alluded to, is it's it's kind of like a Russell Westbrook principle, except in terms of efficiency of watching the game. So if you don't, yeah, if you're like you'll know that the game is worth watching, like you know, 15 minutes into the game, like you'll get a you'll you'll you know you'll you'll realize when the game's gonna slip real quick when you watch Golden State. So you'll know when to, to stop watching. Yeah, exactly. Or, then, or, know, or it's going to be a great game. Well, the funny thing is, too, about the like, schedule release outside of the Blazers, like Golden State got more national televised games than they do league pass games. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that's the insane part, too. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because, you know, they are fun to watch. But how many games did you watch of Golden State's where they were up 20 points after the first quarter. And you're like, well, this one's done. Like you can turn it off. You can change the channel You watch something else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the, I mean, that's the, I guess you got to take, well, that's one of the good things about them just wiping people off the map. It's just like, you know, when the game's over, I mean, they just, they just kick teams butts they, and you know, it. you know it. So you can just watch whatever show you want. You can go work out or whatever, whatever, you know, you can just, you can have your time. Do you think they're good for the league? Um, I don't. Uh, it well, they haven't been for the competition of the league. I think what yeah. I think the reaction, like what teams are doing now to try and go after them, is has been fun to see. Like how the West is just completely loaded up on talent. Uh, I think has been really cool, but it does hurt the league when you are sweeping teams the way they are and then teams have we t- I talked about this uh on when I had Corbin Smith on and it's like they had and I'm sure you know this as well because they swept everybody there's less money there's less revenue for the league so obviously yep. Yep. that, that it, in terms of finances it hasn't been good for the league um and I think too I think regional ratings were down because I just think you know they teams don't believe they have a chance um, like the finals were rated extremely well. That's, that's undeniable, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's, but that's the LeBron factor though. I, I, I think it's the Warriors too. I mean, the Warriors Cavs have been well, both like, I mean, it, I think yeah, it's yeah, both because yeah. the Warriors were, I mean, Steph, Steph is almost at, is just as popular, not quite as popular as LeBron, but like pretty much on the same level. Like Steph is well, I huge. Meant, I meant more like it was Warriors being dominant mixed with like having a LeBron. If you didn't oh, have oh, LeBron. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was Boston, those those finals wouldn't have been rated as high as they were. That's a good point. No, no, you're right. You're right about that. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, what do you think? Do you think uh, do you think they're hurting the league? Uh, yeah, I think they hurt the league a ton. And you know, I I was one of those guys. Like when Katie made the announcement, I didn't buy that report. I know again, I gave Woj credit, but like when he did that last year and was like they're preparing for Durant, I was like, how the hell would that even work? Why would they do that? And then OKC sent him three one, and I'm like why would he join a team that he's up three, one on, right? Even when they lost, I'm like, well, you're really like one clay Thompson game away from being in the NBA finals and having beaten that team in five or six, I guess at that point. But when he joined, you know, I defend the right and I'm glad NBA players have figured out pro sports of, we are the entity, not the owners. 
because they're so right in that. But I also view it, I think it's much different than even LeBron going to Miami or, or any other example you could throw at me for the sheer fact of, dude, first of all, you lost to that team. I don't get that. I've never played a pickup basketball game in my life and then instantly thought, oh, I want to go play on that team now. Like, that's never crossed my mind, right? But the second thing is, when he joined, I didn't need to see even a second to know that that was going to win the title, right? Nobody realistically said, what if they don't click? Steph is one of the more selfless players we've ever seen. Clay Thompson could give two Fs about anybody's thoughts on how much he's a contributor. Draymond will do anything and everything just to win. And Katie was title hungry. Like that was the perfect combination of of guys. I think for almost everybody to go, yeah, that's the prohibited favorite in the league. And so I, I see what you're saying about the competition and trying to get teams to adjust, but honestly, how do you combat it? Like as long as these guys are all in their prime and they're all, by the way, in their 20s, how do you combat that? If you're Houston, is Chris Paul coming to your team really going to challenge them? No, I like, I like that move, right? I'm interested to see what that does, but I'm sorry, James Harden, even at his best, with Chris Paul at his best, you're still playing two on four. If you go to San Antonio, San Antonio, in my opinion, got worse. Like I'm not ready to put San Antonio in the top three in the West. What are they going to do? And I know they were up big in game one before Kawhi's injury, but they, they lost a, a, a key contributor, at least in the playoffs, in Jonathan Simmons. They didn't make any big move. They tried to get rid of L.A. They couldn't dump that contract. They gave Patty Mills $50 million. I just don't look at any team in the West as much as they're trying and sit there and say they're close. Nobody's close. Like Even with a move like Chris Paul being traded to your team, you're still not close. So maybe in like three or four years, everything can change because maybe Clay wants to leave, but I just can't view that move and look at the way the league is and say, yeah, it makes the league better. It doesn't. And I dealt with this with Blazer fan. A lot of Blazer fans in Rip City would chime in on the radio show and basically be like, you know, I love my Blazers, but I can't watch the league. It's just, it's unwatchable. It's Golden State. Everybody knows it's going to be Golden State, probably Cleveland, and Golden State will hoist the trophy. Yeah, I mean, it is. And it's also just, it It wasn't even the fact that they won, so that they won the championship. Like, it was just that it was so easy for them. You know, like, yeah. it, like, like, yeah. th- they were down like 17 or 16 to Portland one time. Uh, they, I think the biggest lead that the Jazz had on them was like 11. It, and then they were, their yeah. biggest adversity was that game against the Spurs. And I mean, they lost one in the finals, but that's LeBron. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they've really handled teams. And I think it, it is – that's also kind of why – because I just – that's also kind of why I've been – I think obviously the the points you've mentioned about Dame and the players wanting to always compete for the championship is not going to change. I think that's how they're going to always approach it. But I think from the fan perspective, I think uh, – Part, part of, like, if you're going to watch basketball or whatever, yeah, I mean, it, it, you have to kind of lower your expectations about what success is. Because I, yeah. I think that's what, what it is with how the Warriors are, because they're so good, which is a bummer. But um, so I do, I do think it kind of sucks. Um, and the way that they beat teams, I mean, and, and the, the, the fact that there's less money, so teams have less money to try and add talent to beat them is like a double whammy. Uh, yeah. I thought Arnovitz put it really well. I talked to him a while back, and he made such a good point, but it's like one that nobody wants to hear. And we asked him about Portland and their position, and he basically was like, look at Memphis. They win 50 games every year. They're right there in the second round. Maybe they're contending to push for a Western Conference title for a season out of that run, but they're in the playoffs every year and winning 50 games. What's wrong with that? And that was basically his like way of telling Portland, Neil Olshay wins you 50 games a year with a roster and you're in the playoffs every year. Be happy with that. And I can appreciate that. And I see where he's coming from, but in the same token, it's been 40 years since the city's hoisted a trophy and we're no different than any other diehard basketball town in the league. Like I want to win a championship. You know, I'm a media member, but I'm also a fan and I get tired of just being run of the mill, middle of the pack, Western conference team. Like I want to see the Blazers, be early 2000s late 90s uh early 90s i want to see that again and experience that and so i see where he's coming from but i think that's the toughest part you know i'm a lebron groupie i have no problem admitting that i love lebron james i think he's been the most scrutinized athlete 
maybe of all time, and I'm not even sure it's close, to be honest with you, but that dude was one Kyle Korver three away from pushing that team to six games. Like, the, maybe the greatest player we've seen since Jordan, and maybe even, in some people's minds, better than Jordan. I, I, I mean, that sound. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I mean, he's right there for me. I mean, I, I championships. You know, obviously, he doesn't have the same number, but like just yeah. from watching him, like I, I just, I don't think anyone has ever been just that good at everything. That's what I'm saying, man. I just watch. You know, what I watched this morning. It's crazy that we're talking about this. I was just watching the '89 Eastern Conference Finals on NBA TV this morning before I left for work, and it was Pistons Bulls. And it was game six. Doug Collins had the curly afro. Jordan sits on the bench. It, it, this was so funny to me. This is what people don't remember or talk about. Jordan sits on the bench, and the best player on the Bulls roster on the court was Craig Hodges. Everybody else was nothing but scrubs. They were up 12 when Jordan went to the bench. Detroit comes back, and they tie the game going into the second quarter. Like, Detroit goes on this huge run. The Bulls have eight straight garbage possessions. And then, of course, Detroit ends up winning that series, right? And nobody talks about how, oh, yeah, that was before Pippen became Pippen and the Bulls didn't really have a bench. Like, everybody forgets that. When LeBron's bench sucks, it's like, well, I thought LeBron was better than Jordan. Dude, Jordan didn't have a bench and he couldn't get to the finals. LeBron doesn't have a bench and he's at least contending and coming close in the finals. So, you know, that, it's, it's, it's an entirely different conversation and tangent. But my whole point was, like, as great as LeBron is, he still couldn't push that Golden State Warrior team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's facts. That is facts. Uh, and, and now the, he's probably, uh, which brings us to our next game. Uh, it's Cleveland actually. So perfect segue, uh, number nine, Cleveland at Portland, March 15th, part of a March and April stretch that is going to be full of good teams, most likely. So uh, they yep. get they get a lot of home games. This one being one of them in March, but there are going to be a lot of good teams, and obviously Cleveland is 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 very very good, and obviously LeBron uh, in in the building is is pretty incredible. I uh, I spent one hundred ninety dollars on LeBron James tickets. Uh, I want to say it was his first year in Cleveland when Waiters was still on the Cavs, and I've never been so disappointed at buying a ticket for a big game in my life. LeBron based. <laughs> called it in at the end of the first half because they were down big. Deion Waiters and Kyrie weren't interested in passing and sharing the ball, and that was the game LeBron basically was like, you better figure this out. And then he ended up getting Deion Waiters traded out of Cleveland. But the only thing I want to know is, will Kyrie be there? That, I think that's my biggest question mark, right? Like, how the Blazers play against LeBron? LeBron's had some great, exciting moments in Portland. He likes to show up for the Nike folks. But will Kyrie be in the building? That's, that's what I wanted. That's the million-dollar question. Yeah, that's. I mean, what do you think? Do you think he's going to be on the team? I, I mean, it feels like he, they're, they're trying to. It feels like he's going to get traded. If I'm Cleveland, I keep him. Like I, cle- I, I keep him for two reasons. One, I'm spiting you. Two, why don't you just wait and play this out one more year? You know, reports saying he wasn't talked to anybody in the playoffs. Like, first of all, if that's true, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. How do you play with people and don't talk to him through the whole playoffs? But why would you give him up if you're Cleveland? You're not going to get a package. You're totally going to be content with you have them under contract for what two more years uh, if, if i'm cleveland i know i'm getting back to the finals with Kyrie, and with Kyrie, look he can hate lebron or or not want to be in cleveland whatever his real story is that I, I don't think anybody really knows yet he can feel that way all he wants but if you're hitting a pivotal shot in a game five or six and now you're you're pushing that that golden state warrior team it's different so if I'm Cleveland, why am I in a rush to trade him right now? Because if you lose LeBron and Kyrie, man, you are you are so out of luck and screwed. I'd rather keep Kyrie, you have him for the two more years, and then see what LeBron decides to do. You try to tweak the roster to, to appease him, and if he is uh, if he's unhappy and leaves, so be it. That's what it was. At least you still have Kyrie, and now Kyrie is in a situation he's looking for to be the man. Yeah, uh, that that's going to be really interesting to see. I, I, I it feels like Kyrie's going to get traded, but you know, like you mentioned, they're right there. Uh, they they had a Corver miss. Uh, yep. They 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 were right there. So uh, to to make it maybe a series and make it two two instead of making it three one going back to to Oakland. Uh, but but uh, I think my last game uh, is going to be. Home versus Utah, the season finale. I think Utah. 
I don't think they're going to make the playoffs as of right now, but they're going to have a really good defense and they're going to be probably in the mix if they're all healthy. So that could be another deciding game for Portland down the stretch of the, the schedule. See, I, if you talk, if Utah made the eight seed or something, I could, I could say, okay, I buy it, but I'm not a big Utah guy either. I think Quinn Snyder actually is a really underrated coach in all of basketball, not just the NBA. I thought he was a great college coach, but you know, college is a dirty business and some people don't know how to get away with, with some of that stuff. Um, so I think he's going to make them better than people maybe give them credit, but who's scoring the points for that team? I mean, yeah. Rubio's not going to be lighting it up. You're not going to get it from Gobert. Joe Johnson's just, God, he's another year older. Is Joe Ingles going to be a 23-point game a night guy? Like, I just – I don't know about that either. So, I'm kind of with you on Utah. I like them defensively, but not much more than that. I will say I, I'm – I have a little bit of uh, jealousy watching Donovan Mitchell highlights from uh, thinking oh, about dude. him thinking about him and yeah. how he could have been on Portland because, you know, he's really good offensively, but he was also – like, one of his things, he's a, a really good defender. And, and well, he's six what six three, and his arms are six seven. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a crazy wingspan. Like, and, and yeah, I mean, he would have been super cool to be on the Blazers, because uh, he uh, he's a really. I mean, he's summer summer summer. Obviously, summer league doesn't mean everything, but he's cool. And I think like that probably that guy's probably. I mean, Rodney Hood, I like him, but he's hurt all the time, and that's the thing that yep. really sucks about him. Uh, I like him as a player, but he's hurt way too much joe ingles is a nice player but he's not going to be like the 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 fulcrum of an offense so yeah if donovan mitchell is the truth then then maybe they're in there and then there's dante exum too who had that knee injury and a lot Mm -hmm. of people said he had star potential when he came out but it obviously hasn't happened for a lot of reasons maybe you know maybe he he makes good on that but i don't know it seems like if they're bringing in ricky rubio to play point guard that they may not think Man, that, that Exum is, is really that guy. You talk about bad luck. I feel so bad for that kid. I'm actually really pulling for Dante Exum. Not only, you know, he comes, he's able to skip through the college BS that we try to put other kids through. He comes into this league with this potential. And, he, you know, he's scattered minutes here and there. And then he tears his ACL. Then he's out for the whole year. And then he suffers that he got all that acne on his face. He just, this kid's been, been through the ringer, man. So I'm with you. I like Dante Exum. I pull for Dante Exum. And if he's able to overcome ACL injury and acne, <laughs> guy's the limit for that kid. Oh, man. You notice that? No, I, I, I actually have not. I have not. Go, I, go Google Dante Exum. Okay. He was, he was his baby face player his rookie year. And then he, like, tore his ACL was gone for the rest of the year and didn't see him again until last season. And he comes back, he's got all this acting on his face. She's like, dude, what, what happened, man? Like not only did you tear your ACL, your, your bacteria built up on your skin. Just he's going through it. Ah, uh, man. Bummer. Well, hope, hope, hope it comes together for Dante Exum. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I guess one game honorable mention. I mean, okay. Actually, why did you say any games that I didn't mention in the top ten uh, that you have uh, that you want to see? Guys that you're wanting to see, team matchups you want to see. Uh, I think the first one is a healthy Chris Tapps Porzingis Knicks in Portland. I forget the date on that one, but for sure that one because I fought with Blazer fans who told me how good he is or not good he is. I think they're insane. I think Chris Tapps Porzingis is a dude you always want on your team. Um, so that's one of my honorable mentions. And my second one is like the, whichever the latest Clipper game they have. Uh, I think the Clippers are going to be an interesting one because I don't buy into the hype for them that some other people have because we don't know when Blake Griffin's coming back. And I still don't really know who scores on that team aside from Griffin. Like Patrick Beverly's a fine defensive player. He's not giving you 20 a night. Um, you can shell out Austin rivers all you want, but he's going to be an up and down role player. I think the Clippers are an interesting one for the same reason the Jazz are, um, just because so much riding on for Doc Rivers, and some people think the Clippers are better than Portland, and I just I don't buy that. So, you know, the later in the season we get, maybe the Clippers are eliminated, or maybe they're battling Portland for that playoff positioning, and uh, that would just I think add a lot of excitement and roar into the Moda Center. Yeah, so those those dates uh, I got them right here for you. March sixth is the New York Porzingis game uh and then yeah. and that's going to be a tuesday in that march that we talked about that's going to be really hard for portland and then 
they have the the Clippers game on March 30th, which is just another another one go. of those March April games. So uh, yeah, my honorable mention is is one that I guess is could be related to the LeBron uh, conversation that we just had, but the Lakers. Uh, it's Portland's first TNT game. By the way, the Blazers have. 21 games on national TV. If you include NBA TV, if you don't include NBA TV, there's only 11 and their first TNT game is against the Lakers and it's going to be Lonzo balls, Portland debut. Uh, I think, I I think LeBron, whatever LeBron does depends heavily on, on if Lonzo balls, you know, you know, really as good as he looked in summer league. Well, I mean, look, if he's half of what he's been hyped up to be, and I, I like the kid. I saw him playing college. Um, I don't know, man. LeBron's not a big young guy player, though. That's and true. I think that's that's pointed out. But, yeah, I mean, does he want to go to L.A. and play with a second-year Lonzo Ball? Is Lonzo Ball ready to beat Steph Curry? I mean, that's how we got to view this, right? We can't just view this as, well, he wants to go to Hollywood and make shows. Dude, he's got survivor's remorse, and he's got that game show on NBC. Why does he need to leave Cleveland to make a Hollywood impact? He already is. He's going to yeah. be Space Jam too. So I think that narrative is so overrated. It's about winning titles. Like, the dude knows it, right? Chasing ghosts. I'm chasing the ghosts of 23. Are the Lakers in a title-contending position after year one? With Lonzo Ball? Maybe. Maybe Ingram takes a big step, and, and Lonzo proves to be the real deal. But until I actually see that play out, I don't buy that. I really don't. If you told me LeBron ends up in Cleveland – I would totally picture that. I mean, if Kyrie gets traded and leaves, maybe that adds an FU factor for LeBron and staying in Cleveland and getting that money off the books, and then you bring in somebody else. I just – I don't know, man. I, I, the Lonzo factor is going to be interesting for LeVar and the way that shakes out, but I, I, the LeBron stuff to me, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, no, that's, that's, a, that's a good take. Uh, I think um... – if I recall, there was some headlines a couple of weeks ago when Lee Jenkins was on the jump on ESPN, and I think they asked him, and he mentioned San Antonio, and another team mm-hmm. that I think was mentioned is Oklahoma City. I mean, that that, yeah. that I don't know how, from a cap perspective, they could make that work, but, I mean, LeBron and Westbrook teaming up would be one hell of a tandem. Uh, and I think so that, Kawhi I, and LeBron. I think that's the way, we, or Kawhi and LeBron. I think that's the way, too, that's an important way to look at it with LeBron, is that you know the Cleveland going home narrative was an, a very good narrative, but it also helped that Kevin Love is available. They have the number one pick. They can trade for Kevin Love. Yeah. Like like Kyrie Irving was coming into his own, and Wade was on the decline. Bosh was yeah. good, but the, he need, he needed another perimeter guy to do things. And I think he saw that Kyrie yeah. could be that guy. Like he's very pragmatic when it comes to this stuff. He's thinking in basketball terms. So. Thinking yeah, that, it, that it's Oklahoma or another team that I like is Houston, it, it, James Harden. I mean, I mean that would be incredible too. You'd have the two best pick and roll players in the world on the same team. Yeah, but will Chris Paul not take that two hundred million dollar contract, and will Houston want to give it to a thirty two year old Chris Paul? That's that's the tough part too, you know. Yeah, that is, that is a good point. But you know, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. And then uh, then if Carmelo opts out and he comes in on a cheap deal, but the, the part of the problem that I also see with Carmelo there is that him and Mike D'Antoni didn't work out too well, uh, last I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Brandon, a- anything else you you want to touch on? I we didn't really talk about the crab trade. I, I don't know if you have any 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 thoughts on that. Really, I mean, we talked about Crab and Ryan yeah. Anderson. But it, it already happened, um, and there's not really—I yeah. I guess there's not really a whole lot else to say. Uh, are you excited for football season here, and 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 it to not uh, be just the the NBA drama? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I always love the NBA drama. The NBA is always going to be my first love, but football is king, and I love it too. Uh, excited to see what my Oregon State Beavers can do. Gary Anderson under year three, and uh, bring on the NFL. I don't really have any thoughts on Crab. I mean, you shut the salary off your books, good move on wasn't a make it or break it player Brooklyn wanted him more anyway um so you know as for that that's kind of how I feel about that but you know bring on the the NFL bring on college football and then before you know it boom mid-October hits and we got the NBA earlier this year yeah no, pretty wild yeah that's an important note uh glad you touched on that Brandon uh the Blazers first game is October 18th which is about I think 10 days earlier than their first game last season so they're going to start the season at Phoenix and then they go to Indiana and Milwaukee. That actually, that game against Milwaukee should be fun. Uh, Giannis, I can't believe I didn't put him on the top 10 after all the Giannis 
uh, complaining I've been doing on Twitter about the NBA not showing <laughs> love to Giannis. I myself didn't show any love to Giannis. Yeah. Uh, but, but that should be fun if, when Giannis comes to town. Yeah, man. I love watching the Greek freak in person. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, you just reminded me. There, I, I went to Pizzicato the other day, and uh-huh. and they had a pizza called the Greek Freak. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. Damn, dude. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, I mean, I didn't even have it, to be honest with you. I just, I just. Uh, I was going to say, could your hands fit? I bet they could, and it was probably too big for your hands. It probably was. Yeah, it, it was. It was like a Greek salad on a pizza, so I wasn't really feeling it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was just kind of. I kind of just wanted a slice of pepperoni at that point. Um, oh, I feel that, man. Yeah, but uh, Brandon Sprague, host of Dirt and Sprague, twelve to three on ten eighty, the fan in Portland. Brandon, anything else you wanted to say before uh, we, we, we wrap this up? No, man. Give me a follow on Twitter at Brandon Sprague, and uh, I'm sorry if I pissed anybody off with my opinions, but uh, that's what's fun about sports is we get to debate and discuss. And uh, I want to thank you a lot for inviting me on the podcast, man. It's a long time coming. I love the content you put out, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. Absolutely. We'll have to do it again. Brandon Sprague, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Lockdown Blazers later on this week. Hope you enjoy. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and Audioboom and all those places. Leave a good review, and, and we'll see you next time. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.